Strong one day, Army strong the next. What makes the Army Reserve different? It's training close to home, but always standing ready. It's being able to work your job while serving your country. It's the strength that comes from being a citizen one day and a soldier the next. Find out more at GoArmyReserve.com Army Reserve, U.S. Army, Army Strong. Welcome, your listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Mark present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Random banter makes a lovely light. But not as bright as your eyes tonight. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say that that was the 16 Candles song from the soundtrack for the movie 16 Candles. You're right. But why? Because this is six of six. We have our six cover of a John Hughes movie that has been used. And this time it is 16 Candles. So, yeah, we got that going for us. There we go. We got a little 16 Candle action. A little Molly Ringwald. A little some other people. Some some guys who are actors and some gals who are actors as well. A lot of... A lot of folk doing acting uh-huh. in that you, uh, movie that we've yeah. all seen, so we don't need to discuss it very in-depth. You, you know... Long Duck! <laughs> you, you know, wow, Molly Ringwald and, and uh, Anthony Michael Hall, you, you, you can't remember that, man? Can't? Can't? Uh, I, I remember uh, that one guy who was like the medium or something. Okay. <laughs> I just am not gonna... I mean, we'll move on. We're gonna move on. <laughs> because... We got other things to talk about. We've got much, much more important things to talk about, like Obi Wan Kenobi. Oh, good old Ben with yep. his uh, yep. Benning, you know, and well, you, know, you, you do know that you know because we are a timely, timely podcast. We are, you know, actually recording this on the night that the third episode of the new Obi Wan Kenobi show is out on Disney Plus, and. I'm up on it. I mean, I, yes, I haven't watched the third episode because it's tonight. And this weekend, I actually watched the first two episodes, and we want my daughter to watch them too. So we, we're going to get caught up on that. But that we'll we'll take care of that this weekend. What do you think, though, man? What do you think about all of the stuff that came out in that first episode, first two episodes of Obi Wan Kenobi? Well, I am thinking it's on my to do list after Moon Knight and Stranger Things. <laughs> And then I totally got a Kenobi it because I have gotten caught up on my Invincible uh, uh-huh. cartoon because love Invincible and just finished up season two of The Boys and finished up Diabolical uh, okay. like last night. So All right. I want my media so bad. I'm trying. I catch it where I can, man. And it's usually late at night, late, late at night. So I've got limited time window to do that kind of stuff. But yeah, I want to see. I want to see. What do you say his name was? Ben Nobbs? Ben okay. Nobby? All right. 
All right. You know, I'm just saying I, I like the show so far. Yeah, there's a couple things that got my head scratching, but you know what? This is the good fanboy stuff. I, I'm happy to see it, and it's wonderful. And I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I'm just going to say I'm enjoying it. I, once again, this is a great time to be alive. All of the wonderful stuff that we get to see. I mean, yes, we haven't seen a Power Pack TV show, but come on. It come might on. be coming. Could we're be we... coming any any decade, year, month, day now. Any any time. We've got Ribbon Reed Richards on one movie. We've got, you know, Franklin Richards not talked about at all. But I'm sure they're going to get to Power Pack. Come on. They've got to. At some point, they've got to. It's just like everybody that we talk to in our interviews and stuff, they're like, just nobody understands. what They're like, they're leaving a property laying on the dirt that really needs to get picked up and it would do wonders for them. I'm sure it will happen at some point. At some point. Some point. Well, speaking of interviews, we will say, and we'll remind everybody at the end, too, that next episode, we're going to take a momentary break before we go to the next part, whatever we're going to talk about with our comics. And we are going to be interviewing Chris Eliopoulos. And behind the scenes, we already did the interview. We're just doing things a little out of order. But this episode's coming out before that interview. That interview will be next. And then we're going to do another episode. And then we're going to have another interview that we Mm -hmm. haven't done yet. But we'll be done next week. Spoilers on the uh, Chris Eliopoulos interview. He's a cool dude. It was a lot of fun. Very much so. Very much so. That is where we are at. So we're going to have an interview. And then we're going to have a covering of a comic book. It'll be a smaller one because it's one of four or five stories in a holiday special. And then we're going to have another interview, this time with Fred Van Lent. So I'm excited about that. Anyway, so that's all in the future. That's just some programming stuff. Jeff, is there anything... I think you mentioned some things that you've been doing. You've caught up on some media, right? Yeah, I caught up on some media. I watched Invincible. Thought that was great. Good adaptation of you know, a comic series that I absolutely adore. Invincible, I think, is one of my top tier, top one, one of my most favorite superhero comics. It's amazingly good. So, love that. Stayed uh, as faithful to the originalness as possible. Hey, and Seth Rogen is an executive producer. Then I watched The Boys, and hey, Seth Rogen's an executive producer of that. <laughs> so, and he did a voice in some uh, Diabolical and stuff too, so I'm like, Seth Rogen, I want to shake your hand for helping bring about two things that I absolutely love and would be more than willing to do a podcast about on both of those. Uh, thank you. Making this thing I love exist, and then spreading it out to a wider community where people are like, hey, have you seen the da-da-da? I'm like, yes. I've seen the da-da-da because I loved it. And I've loved it for like a decade plus. So, yeah. So, I'm getting to watch some stuff. But, yeah. Well, good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. But I just want to let you know, Seth Rogen does not want to shake your hand. Yeah. I've told him where it's been. And that's in the backyard weeding. And in a gutter. (laughs) And on that lovely image, (laughs) Jeff, can you give us a two-sentence replay from last episode? Necra cleans the loner's clock and destroys the church that they meet up at, but is stopped in her tracks by the mysterious arrival of the mysterious Naomi, whose mysterious power set goes away as quickly as it arrived. And now we have a new mystery girl on our getting crowded roster. Everyone then finds out that Chris and Mickey are dating, and this flips the switch in Phil's brain to Green Goblin mode, so he then spends some time scaring Hollow, and then he scares everyone when he smash and grabs the gem off of Chris's neck and becomes the all-new, all Nuts Green Hawk! Or maybe Dark Goblin. Hmm. Goblin Hawk? Uh, I'm workshopping it here, folks. Now that the. Oh, another thing that happened was Johnny catching Maddie snooping through his apartment, so she distracted him by knocking some boots together. Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? 
My pleasure, my friend. Jeff, do you have your beer ready? Do you got got the got your little bag ready there, Jeff? I'm holding it in my hand and showing it to my non-functioning camera. So, yep. Here, <laughs> I'll prove it. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm going to sing a little song, and then you can reach in that bag and pull out okay. your beer, okay? Yes. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Jeff. Happy birthday to you. <gasps> Worthy band organ lights out stout. <laughs> Because <laughs> what happens when you blow out 16 candles or come to the end of a series about the loners? It's lights out. Lights out. It is lights out. <laughs> and uh, this is, I'm hoping this is going to be a worthy beer for the situation because we go on a little bit of a bender in this issue. There's some twists and turns. But yeah, mm, lights out stout. That's nice. Hey, <laughs> I don't know if I've been to this observatory or not. Mm, you know what? I bet that I have. I bet this is a Pine Mountain Observatory. Yeah. I would guess. Nice. We've been up there. Have you been up there with me? No. I that don't. Was, uh, no, I don't think so. No. Awesome. It, we uh, actually know a geocacher who was an astronomer there, so we could get in and have kind of private uh, telescope tours, which was Oh, uh, you did use it for sweet. private telescope tours. It was pretty. It actually did. <laughs> uh, it was pretty sweet. Having a connection that's an astronomer is uh, uh, pretty cool. So, <laughs> Well, this is a Lights Out Double IPA from Northy Bend, Oregon. And uh, this is uh, Look Up, our ode to starry, starry nights. Hints of vanilla coffee and nutty flavors with a smooth, creamy finish. Worthy donates a percentage of all sales to earth-friendly non-profits. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm sorry, it's not worthy. It's not northy, Bend, Oregon. That would be worthy. <laughs> yes, worthy. It's and worthy. I forgot to describe the can. That is, it's a nice bronze and black and a little bit of white on there and everything. And it's just a starry, starry night. And there's an observatory silhouette in the foreground. And it mm -hmm. looks really cool. Yep. And it smells really good. And there's a heavy vanilla smell there. Yeah. 7.7% alcohol by volume and 30 IBU. Mm -hmm. Yep. Their story time is Earth First, Beer Second. Because they do their donation stuff. Isn't that sweet? But Well, is this a beer sweet? Ooh, that looks real pretty. That is just a... Holding it up to a light, you get just a little bit of light coming through that with a little bit of that really, really, really red, red mahogany kind of coloration, which is beautiful. That's very nice. Smells good and taste is... Yeah, taste is a little sweet. It is a... Hmm. It's a stout. Stout, yeah. It's it a lights stout out stout character. Yeah, it has stout characteristics. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, it's got a stout nose on it, so you get that kind yep. of stouty kind of. <laughs> there's there's not a lot I can say. It's a stout. Yeah, usually with stouts you get some coffee notes. I'm not getting mm -hmm. any coffee notes in here. The vanilla is coming through a lot, but yeah. no, this is a a thick stout beer. It's not heavy, which is more of a more or less a stout type of a feature, but. It's nice. It's drinks easy. It tastes like a stout. The aftertaste on it is really great because if you kind of you know breathe in through your mouth, then that vanilla aroma really just comes in and just mm -hmm. fills your palate up. You're like, whoa, mm, that's pretty nice. So it's it's a stout. Yeah. Where then you breathe through it and it's really vanilla heavy and that's pleasant. Yeah. It's, it's nice. It's nice. It's not bad. It's pretty solid. It's a small can, so we may have to watch it tonight. I think we'll finish it quite easily. But uh, thank you for reminding me of that because I've just been going gloop, 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 gloop. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes, we have an hour. Uh, <laughs> I will set you right there and come back to you in a couple of minutes. <laughs> 
so far it's nice. Well, to give you a little bit of time to pause you from drinking the beer, why don't you take a breath, breathe in that vanilla, and give me some opening credits. The Loners, issue number six, January 2008, Double Identities. Credits, writer C.B. Sobolski. Artist, Carl Maline. Ink assist, Mark Pennington. Colorist, Beth Sotello. Letterer, V.C.'s Russ Wooten. Cover artist, Jason Pearson. Editor, Molly Laser. Executive editor, Tom Brevoort. Editor-in-chief, Joe Casada. Publisher, Dan Buckley. Featuring the Loners. Lightspeed, Julie Power, Darkhawk, Chris Powell, Green Goblin, Phil Yurik, Ricochet, Johnny Gallo, Turbo, Mickey Musashi, and Spider-Woman, Maddie Franklin, and guest starring Hollow and Naomi. Did you know that Chris, our uh, buddy Darkhawk, has conflicted feelings about his deceased police officer father matched against his own struggles with being a superhero? I did know this, but this is mostly because I read his journal entry at the start of the issue. I guess this means that we have a Darkhawk-narrated focus for this comic. We sure do, but we also have a problem. The most unstable member of a team of unstable and broken people has just stolen the power supply of the most powerful member of the team. I guess they are all out of love. That is air supply. And yes, Chris does seem to be out of breath as his purple pendant of power is purloined by their party's preachy president, Pafil. Before Pafil, or Phil as we call him, can flex the power of that dark hawk suit, Hollow surprisingly jumps at him. Snack. Hollow then takes a little surprise nap. Mickey makes a dive towards her bedroom, but Phil has mastered the armor's controls and shoots a cable. You know, the wire, not the character, around her leg, and then gives her a nice threat. The goblin part of his personality is in full control, and in his irrational mind, he is now the best parts of what she wants and loves. Her partner Phil and the power of the Darkhawk armor. Boy, talk about taking aim and completely missing the target, bro. I am not sure how many times we'll need to say this. She never loved you in that way, and she hated the Darkhawk armor. Yeah. Look at you trying to reason with the man going off the rails on a crazy train. You need to be less like Ozzy Nelson and more like Ozzy Osbourne. Grab a bat and deal with the situation. Um, gross. I don't think doing that will help at all. Uh, not what I meant and moving on. Looking all Ted Williams with his bad self, Chris steps up to the plate to fight against a nearly indestructible piece of armor with a Louisville slugger. Crack. A swing and a hit as he manages to get a piece of that red visored ball that is Phil's goblin gourd. Chris follows up the hit by placing his hand on the gem on Phil's chest, and bam, woohoo, two Darkhawks, no waiting. Now, the normal armor is majority black with large shoulder pad armor things that are a dark silver color and a dark silver helmet. Chris is sporting a more lighter silver accessory suit with bigger shoulder pads and two forearm bracers that have a single forward-facing blade each. Well... Now we can have a party! Flash. Goblin Hawk has received an uppercut that has launched him through the roof of Mickey's apartment and into the sky, to right about where Julie is flying with Naomi. Julie mistakes the costume character as Chris and receives a haymaker for her trouble. Splash. Luckily, the two ladies have a splashdown when they land in a pool. <laughs> L.A., am I right? So not cool. The real Slim Hawk flies up to continue the fight, commenting that they should have known there is no such thing as a good guy goblin, no matter the adjective they put in front of their name. Smash! In response to this attack, Phil blames the loners for doing this to him. Oh, Phil, you old scamp. Why are you playing like you have not been listening at the meetings you host? You gotta open up your eyes and see, man! Here, 
Take a look at Chris's eye blast. Swoom. And then we have a straight up pointless city block destroying Donnybrook between a couple of hawks. Let's see. Feet to the chest. Swoom. Punch to the jaw. Pow. Buick to the body. Wrecked. And so on. And so on. And so on. As we said, pretty pointless and very destructive as the suits are too tough to total. Back at the wreckage, uh, formerly known as an undestroyed apartment, Julie and Namie show up to see Hollow helping up a recovering Mickey. Interesting little note, Hollow and Namie recognize each other. Ooh, who cares? The important thing is that Hollow protected Mickey from the nut job Phil, who has taken the amulet. She also explains that Chris is Hawk 2.0, <laughs> somehow. As Julie and Mickey are trying to figure out what the what is, Maddie and her new boy toy Johnny enter the scene, and suddenly this comic becomes a sitcom, with people joking about it looks like quite a party was thrown here, and guests showing up in costume was a definite party foul. Oh my gosh. Yeah, Mickey has hit her limit, so she takes off her shirt. With Johnny, Maddie, and Julie's visual responses respectively being, Mmm, harumph, and finally, Okay, uh, this is escalating in a new and amazing direction, and I am interested to see what happens next. Mickey pulls out her turbo armor, saying that the gloves are back on. Okay, still a valid choice that makes me happy. And soon, the Hawks, both Goblin and Dark, are interrupted from their fisticuffs by a blast from Turbo's wrist fan. And an Avengers-style hero's party pose occurs. Gotta love comics. Gotta love a two-page, 22-panel, no-dialogue, heavy sound effect thrashing of Phil in the Hawk armor by each member of the team. They all get a piece of the Phil cake, but Naomi takes the last slice. I see what you did there. As she uses that red side blade in her wrist to stab the crystal and yank it off Phil. Goodbye armor. Hello, sad little man. He tries to reach for it, but is given a... Slice. From Hollow for his trouble. And she says, stop which is word number two in her career. So there is that. The real Darkhawk tells Hollow to back off so that he can deal with this trash. To which she responds, oops. Wow, words number two and three in her career in back-to-back panels? We should take a moment to recognize this. And while we do that, we should also take a moment to recognize that it looks like Darkhawk is going to take off Phil's head via choking. Mickey screams out, no, you'll kill him. So attempted murder Hawk changes back into Chris and gets ready to punch him man to man. As God intended. But Mickey interferes and states that it is her problem and that she wants to deal with it. Woman to man. Also how God intended. Crack. Huh. I did not know that she was a southpaw. Phil folds like a cheap suit, which makes sense because getting punched by an armored up turbo is probably just as bad as getting punched by an armored up Darkhawk. Mickey picks up the Darkhawk necklace and hands it back to Chris, telling him that their powers matter and that they are part of who they are. OMG, so sweet. Then Phil starts to laugh at them. Man, can we just gag this guy? Unfortunately, no. The uh, page count is winding down in the series, and everyone has to get all of those secrets and plot threads tied up. So hang on to your toupees. It's gonna be a bumpy ride. Phil is turning this all back around. He thinks he has shown that he is not the only one with a devil inside. A devil inside. They all want to be heroes and play in their costumes. With a devil inside. With a devil inside. Well, words are as weapons, and Mickey swears she is going to pack away her costume again, and Phil starts to mock her. Because, you know, it's Phil. Give the guy an ounce of credit. When he turned his inner Moppet to the Goblin setting, he committed. 
There is no meek Melton mewing for mediocrity. He has gone all in on blunt of force, truth and honesty, with a side of snark and hate. Long and the short of it all, Mr. Phil non-harmonic. Wait, wait, wait. How long have you been sitting on that one? Long enough to try and find a way to make it funny. So you ran out of time, didn't you? <laughs> I did. But, as I was saying, he reached out to the head of Fujikawa and found out what Mickey promised her. Not fair that Phil got that info off panel. Agreed, but it sounds like Mickey was going to sell out all the members of the loner's crew to the Femme Pharmaceuticals Fatal. I guess this might have been the secret arrangement that Mickey made, but it's hard to tell with such scant information. I agree, and so does Maddie, and she encourages Phil to tell more. But Mickey doesn't want any more leaks on this already sunken ship. And this starts an argument that ends with Mickey smacking Phil and re-triggering Hollow. Hollow has been on the side of the team when Phil was a powerhouse. But now she is back defending this guy, and Phil seems to be able to talk to her. Back to this deal. Apparently truth and honesty have been sidelined in favor of secrets and blackmail. Phil starts to lead Hollow away from this massive amount of damage and Chris's threat of calling the cops by saying that he has not committed a crime. Phil is right. He hasn't, you know, except for property damage, assault, attempted manslaughter, imprisonment, jaywalking. Yeah, well, there's that. But uh, what I think he means is real crimes like fraud or forgery or jaywalking. He also promises that Hollow will be going back into whatever facility Fujikawa is in charge of. So, uh, bye, Hollow. But good news. Phil is offering to leave Red Ronin. Uh, who? Naimi? Uh, okay. So, Naimi is the new Red Ronin and not the old Red Ronin, which is a giant red and yellow robot. Uh, okay, whatever. That's fine. But let me get the rest of this straight. A white guy is taking one woman back to a place where she will be cared for and like it, and is leaving another woman to stay with a team that he calls Lost Souls. Well, isn't that special? He has turned into the villain of the story. I guess I would have liked this to be a moment where all the women present smacked Phil, but... But instead, they let Hollow carry the maniac off, and like Optimus Prime in the end of Age of Extinction, they leap off or fly off into the sunset. Till all are one. Till all are one. Speaking of shedding the bad elements, Maddie takes this moment of stunned silence, following the bombshell that Name is a robot, to announce to the team that she thinks they are all lamios who are wasting their potential to be heroes by not being honest with themselves. And she chides herself, saying that she can't believe she slept with Johnny. Hey, two awkward silences right in a row. Hey, uh, nice. One week later. They are a party of five, even though Johnny set up seven chairs in his apartment. <laughs> Johnny five. <laughs> party of five. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Was he expecting Hollow and Maddie to come back? Because I am pretty sure that Phil would not be welcomed. Johnny looks bummed about the missing members, saying that it was just wishful thinking that had him put the extra chairs out. Julie then hate whispers at him that they all know what he was wishing for because feelings are complicated and it is better to just attack than figure out why you are upset. I guess. Mickey opens the meeting by thanking everybody for coming and she asks who wants to start. Silence. Okay, uh, Julie. Pass. She is confused about... Things? Yeah, they're going to keep hammering around the head of that nail with a hammer, aren't they? Huh. Okay, well, if not Julie, then how about, uh... Oh, I know, Chris. He needs to figure out things for himself first. It's complicated. <laughs> great, Chris, great. Uh, okay, name me then. She explains that her circuits are fried. 
Okay, I don't think she really talks like that, but I get the gist. Uh, then Johnny. Johnny, 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 Johnny. Come on, man, step up. He's apparently in the mob because he pleads the fifth. <sighs> well, it's all on Mickey then. She has some thoughts on trust and sharing and secrets, but, but instead of letting this moment pass and letting the group really fail, she stands up and shares her own story. She was a teenage superhero. The end for now, but let's go back to the beginning for now and talk about this lovely cover by Jason Pearson. And like we said at the beginning, this has got the to the poster from 16 Candles, but instead of the characters that were on that poster, we have our characters. So Anthony Michael Hall, who was there as Ted Farmer, he is uh, being replaced by Johnny. Of course, we've got Julie in the Molly Ringwald as Samantha Sam Baker spot. Johnny's looking at Julie, and Julie is wistfully looking over to Turbo, who has taken Michael Schaffling's spot as Jake Ryan, and she's kind of looking off in the distance. So, well, there's a lot here. Uh, <laughs> there is. Do you also notice in the background uh, of it is kind of a map, but also in that map is images of, like, the city they're in, mm -hmm. and Darkhawk, and Hollow, and Phil yep, as well. Yep, yep, yeah, yep. Which is kind of a nice little uh, add-in. Yeah. You know, you've got Johnny, who's looking at Julie, and it's kind of been hinted that he's had a bit of a crush on her, and maybe Julie has known that, but Julie's not really interested in him. It's never laid out anywhere in this book that Julie is interested in Mickey, but, shocker, spoiler, coming up down the line a bit, we're going to get into the fact that Julie has come out as bi. It's been hinted at that she has got feelings that she's trying to figure out. Maybe she's got feelings for Mickey. I think it's just kind of an overarching that she's got feelings for women, that she's trying to figure things out. So we got that. And Mickey is just off looking at the distance. And this mm -hmm. kind of goes a little bit into some of the thing with 16 Candles where you've got a bit of a lo another love triangle because John Hughes movie from the 80s. So <laughs> we There do is a micro formula. Yeah. So we, we do have some things that are in here, especially with Julie getting angry at, at Johnny because he was with Maddie. And we'll get into that here in a bit. Uh, anyways, you got anything else you want to say about this cover? I mean, I love this cover. I still oh, love it's a great all cover. of these covers. No, it is a really good looking cover. I like it a lot. But I do really want to get into the aspect of like who was angry at who and why Julie was mad at Johnny because you know, he was with Maddie for a hot second. And that was about it. So there's a lot of little things. And I think I think we should get into one thing here. Now that we're into the end of the series, we do have a couple more places we're going to go. And again, peek behind the curtain of where we're going to go. We're going to be covering a story that came out after this in the Marvel Holiday Special 2007, which has a small story with the loners in it. After that, we have a couple more small gasps of the loners as a crew, and that will continue through War of Kings, Darkhawk number one and number two. And then we also are going to see the last little bits way down the line at the beginning of Avengers Academy number 20 and number 21, where we see a couple members of the loners before Julie joins them. We've got one more little story that really starts to wrap up the last of the loners before we just see them kind of the drags going forward, if you will. I kind of was curious as to what happened. I was not reading comics at the time, so I don't know much about it, but I was able to find one thing that on C.B. Sabowski talked about, about this, and it sounds like that they were going to go for about 18 issues story planned out. 
And that's what the plan was at the beginning of the loners. And it looks like during this time, C.B. Sabasky was looking at Mark Sumerak's Power Pack series. Says, that's cool, but I think we could do a little bit darker tale. You know, Alex is doing some other stuff. But this is an opportunity for us to have Julie's story a bit and talk about some other characters. And we've got a lot that we want to talk about. It should be great. 18 issues. And they made it through a third of that. So... I don't know all the things that happened, except I think that sales probably were a factor in this. I don't think it found its audience. It's a little bit strange. It's a little bit outside of the normal kind of comics. They're trying to be a little bit more edgy. They're trying to be a little bit more something. They're seeking a mature audience. They're trying to hit that edgy upper teen kind of age or something where mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, hey, we got fights. We've got we've got sex. We've got we've got look at look at these pretty girls. Let's quite, you know, kind of objectify them in most panels because yeah. there's plenty of framing scenes where it's just like, oh, hi, Namie's backside. Hi, we're framing the shot this way. Are we? OK, fine. Yeah. So for us that grew up on Power Pack, it's like we don't want to look at Julie like that. It's going to be really hard for us to get her out of that little girl. Looking back as to what Marvel Comics has done in the past, we have Kitty Pride, who started as a teenager, and then they quickly got her out of teenager because they're going, hey, this is a little icky. We need her to be much older. <laughs> They've done this in the past where they introduce a kid like that, and then they kind of get stuck. They're like, oh, we've made her to be a little bit more sexy. We need to get her out of the age that she was at. I don't think that we're ready for that with Julie. I don't think, I don't know how soon we're going to ever be ready for that with Julie. So yeah. it's a little difficult. Let's not get her into that area. That being said, I think we can see a lot of the storylines in here that because they had such a long time frame that C.B. Sabalski was looking at and a lot of storylines that they wanted, they couldn't get to all of them. So they had to wrap them up real quick. <sighs> There's a lot here that, that kind of gets left on the ground can be picked up by anybody, but nobody really wanted to pick it up too much. Let's, I guess, get into some of it. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's let's talk about some parts. Let's talk a little bit about the new characters, I guess. Uh, Nami and Hollow and the Drug Labs. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, they make perfect sense because they came from the mutant growth hormone Drug Labs. Mm-hmm. And you got the Fujikawa people, and then you have, what was the assassin's name? What was it? Delilah? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, in issue number seven, the big bad is going to be like Delilah, right? It's going to be the final showdown with Fujikawa Lady and her invisible soldiers. And, oh, wait, no. This is not. Yeah. It's, uh, it's weird <laughs> that... It wasn't the adversarial drug ring as their big final bad. It was them. They they fought themselves. Yeah. Like with everybody, the biggest opponent that they faced in their lives was themselves. It could have done something else, or they could have been building up to this big fight with Phil later on, or this could have been the midway point. I think it would have been a better midway thing where Phil finally cracks somewhere around issue 12 or 13. Yeah. And And then then has like a five issue bender. Yeah. He flies off somewhere and then comes back with all the guns to do the final battle against these guys. And, and they they get a lot more time to deal with things. And, And while that's happening, we do have the ongoing mystery of Fujikawa and we kind of get that meted out a bit more. Nami and Hollow actually have some, reason to be there besides just this new characters coming in Mm -hmm. and dealing with some of the old characters yeah the every other issue new character yeah kind of thing yeah i do like the aspect that phil was like you know what i know that mickey loves me but she also loves power you know the easiest source of power is just to get this chunk of jewelry off this idiot's chest i can do that Oh, I can just take this thing, and now I'm everything that you wanted, right? Yeah. So, I, just in his twisted mind, I thought that was interesting. And then kind of doing the, the two-hawk 
yeah. scenario was interesting to me as well. I actually like this progression of Phil. I think it would have been a lot better to spread it out a bit more, but it makes yeah. sense. You have him being the sad sack. You have him being the one who is who is secretly pining for somebody else. And you got the weird part that Hollow likes him. Yeah. You know, buddy, take what you got and forget about the rest. You know, she's with somebody else, but he can't handle that because he's got that goblin in him. Fine. Mm-hmm. He goes after Darkhawk. He pries the, the jewel out of his chest and he becomes Darkhawk for all. Great. I love it. He has experience using power armor. It does make sense. I actually like that, that part of the issue. I like the fight. I even liked him confronting everybody with look y'all are fools i have known mm-hmm. this for a while on the inside but i've been too nice to say it so i'm gonna let it all out now yeah because there's even a time where it's just like after uh he's starting to let the secrets slip and mickey's smacking him around again and, and hollow's getting ready to defend him and he's like no it, it's okay there's gonna be some blood spilt when the truth comes out it's somebody's gonna get hurt and i'm gonna be the one to to, to, to spill the truth yeah it was it was a good fight don't get me wrong however it was Batman beating up on the mentally ill. It was a party of people beating up on a mentally ill person. And at no point did they, did they address the mental illness. I think at one point, Mickey's all like, you need to go get help, Phil. That was it. But then she like, I'm going to fix this woman to man to woman and punch him and stuff. He's a mentally ill person. This isn't going to help. And yeah. I have, so I have issues with that. In fact, they were, during the fight, the first two thirds of the fight, everybody's getting a piece and it's like, okay. And then Namie gets a hold of him and it's like, wow, I think Phil's done now. But then the <laughs> fight continues with everybody getting more of a piece. And it's like, I think he's kind of done now, maybe. Maybe well, maybe we, we step back and go, are you finished now, Phil? Can we stop? But everybody still wanted more pieces. And so I'm like, I, I don't know. I I think by this point in time, there was a lot of anger. There was a lot of broken trust. They did trust him. And so this was more than just your run-of-the-mill bad guy kind of situation or trying to assess it. This is somebody that they did trust, and he turned on him. And we've got ourselves an issue here now. So I can kind of see it. I can kind of see why they went this route and why they continued to beat him, especially he has got some powerful armor on him. Yes, he We've does. Got and him he down. showed they know how to and, use it. Right. We've got him down. We are going to keep him down and we're going to solve this problem. I mean, they never took it to the step where they killed him. So bravo for that. And yeah, he's got some mental issues, but I don't know necessarily if they know how bad they are. Yeah, I still, it, it would have been nice if it had been addressed more. Yeah. Even if it was like hollow, they're like, Phil, why are you doing this? And like hollow just pointing to her head or something, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. It's just like, it's, you know, it's just like demons in his head, you know, scary finger monster head. <laughs> and they're like, and, you know, it would have been nice to have seen them. And it's like, oh, you had goblin problems before. Are you having a relapse? Are you having goblin problems? I would have liked to have seen, I, this I, is just a personal thing. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen more addressing why Phil is the way that he is. But it's it's a personal opinion. But again, you only have so many pages. You got 22 pages to fill and you can't always cover the beats when you're trying to lay down five pages of beat down. So. Yeah. And you're also trying to wrap up a lot of this book because this is it. We're done, folks. We've got Maddie leaving to go off and do her own things. By this point in time, everything that she does in this issue makes sense. I don't have a problem with her. <laughs> she comes in she, she comes in like a bad penny she says you know what i'm done with you losers i'm leaving like a bad penny fits her character okay 
Yeah, her leaving the part, it didn't. I, my heart was not broken, but my again, not the, way broken, that, but the, the, the way that she, the, the way that she left, was very on brand. Yeah, yeah. we're just like, oh, you are. Yep. Yep. I'm gonna go ahead and just drop some more dirty laundry here. Y'all yep. can deal with this. I'm gonna go and do something else. I'm gonna go work on a storyline where I eventually get killed, and nobody's gonna ever think of me again. <laughs> Does that happen? Pretty much. All right. <laughs> Now, who are we talking about again? Exactly. I, I actually kind of like the character. I think some interesting things can be done with her. I like some characters that play more in that gray area. I I know my best friend and I have had constant arguments about this. Good guys are supposed to always wear the white hat. I like to have a little bit of gray in some characters. I think it makes things a little more interesting. I don't think that she's a lead, but I think that she could be an interesting character that can come in and out and really shake up. A lot of things in there. I think she wants to be good. I think that she doesn't know how to be good. And she likes to take the easier path. And mm-hmm. that can be a lot of fun to play with. They could really do like Jessica Jones alias route with her. Since she is doing the private detectiveing and she is powered mm-hmm. and she's kind of got some damages. It's like they could, they could go a route like that. Because that is playing very much in the moral ambiguity area. You're saying a, a Spider Woman character being a private detective? No, we've never seen that before. Haven't we? Yeah, we have. have. (laughs) Who's that? Jessica Drew. Oh, Jessica Drew. Okay. (laughs) As much as I like Jessica Drew and the name and everything and uh, all this stuff, I don't know what she does. I it's (laughs) she's she's kind of a she's a character where I'm like, oh, I really like Jessica Drew as Spider Woman. What does she do? I don't know, but I really like her. So (laughs) she's a little bit of a blind spot for me. They could do some more stuff with her. They could have a more interesting go about with her. But you could say that about all the characters that were in this. Because everybody had something kind of going on that was like, oh, that could be kind of interesting. Most of them were very Debbie Downer on everything as well. But that, again, it was the theme they were going for. A mature, a little more, ooh, you know, scintillating, ooh, body, look at body part kind of thing. But also, and also the, ooh, look at that, we're grown up. But, oh, it's sad being a grown up. Yeah. We are left with a lot of broken people, but they're broken in a good way. I think this is one of these cases where we've left the toys pretty much in the toy box, the same way we found them back at the beginning of our coverage with the Runaways. Very much so. And there are a couple of people that aren't on the team anymore. Fine. Mm-hmm. But these people have all been torn back down and like they've gone through the let's try to be a team. Let's try to use our powers for good. Let's try to fix some things. And they found out we're all lying to ourselves. So... Let's go back into this and let's figure out a better way to do things again. Yeah, I could see that, though, as them. There's enough of the characters had basically said, you know what? I don't think that us keeping it under wraps is working. I think we should do heroics. And I could see them moving mm-hmm. into they ended on the hi, I was a teenage superhero. Hi, Mickey. So they went back into the therapy group setting. But I could I could definitely see them moving into a hero group. And it would be nice to see a hero group with that was less about we have to save the moon and more like we have to judge if this is uh, right or wrong for us to be involved in this thing. Yeah, we get something like that once we get to the Darkhawk story. The next issue is going to be more of this kind of we've been broken. Let's start building back up one how we're going to build ourselves back up we're going to build it back up with friendship what we've got here at the final part of the book is not that we've got this broken characters and they are got to find a way to come back together and they all are inside their own heads rightfully so at this point Mm -hmm. in time and i actually do enjoy this ending i mean the book has felt rushed the last couple of issues but they take the beat moment here at the end to say everybody hurts here everybody is questioning 
their choices. How are we going to start again? You know, we do have one thing going for us. We are a group. Let's talk. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. And this gets back to some of the themes that we have with this entire issue or this entire run. It's about addiction. It's about recovery. And that's what they're having to do here. Guess what? We all fell off the Reagan at some little point. Use the metaphor. Let's take a moment here, step back, and remember what we're doing here. And let's get back some trust. Let's talk to each other. Let's be honest. And the person who does it is the person who really hasn't been the one speaking. She's been the one talking to people, but she hasn't been the one speaking about her own pain and suffering. So she starts it off at the end, which good for Mickey. Well, she was also a co-founder. She was the co-therapist, basically. She's in charge of the meetings. That's the person that should be stepping up. That should be the one that's leading things. That should be the one getting that ball rolling. Yeah. And readdressing the issues of trust. And going, there are secrets, there are emotions, there are deep traumas. But the way to get past those traumas, those secrets, is to get back into trusting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's get into some of the minutiae here, man. Because before we do that, though, what is your overall takeaway from the series? Did you like it by the end of it or not? I thought the giant climactic end fight was... It was probably... It was fun for the artist to do and it was ultimately pointless. Yeah. The Goblin and Dark Hawk fight was very much just take two rubber balls and bounce them together, but all your toys are going to break around there. It was pointless because it was just like you're evenly matched. Apparently, the Dark Hawk armor cannot hurt itself. It took the team to get together to defeat the big bad. The series itself, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I was glad to get to spend time with these characters, even the ones where I'm like, you know, I don't really like this girl or this guy or that guy or that girl either kind of thing. I'm glad that I got to spend the time with them. I did find it to be worthwhile in spite of the kind of insufferable grievances that I have with it, the kind of frustrations that occurred throughout. Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of interesting story points and plot points that I would be interested to see keep on playing out. It's like, do I think Julie, you know, Hollywood Julie, the actress and everything, n- not my Julie. However, I'm curious about her journey. I love Ricochet. I think he's great. You know, it's so there's something about each of the characters where I'm like, I would continue to see what they have to say. I think I'm with you on it. I think that I like the thesis that the book is presenting. I think that the execution fails. And I think that's the reason why it ends early. But I like the ambition that's in this book. That they want to go and try something radically new mm-hmm. and, and put these characters in a place that it's just uncomfortable. It puts the readers in a place that's uncomfortable. It asks some uncomfortable questions. Are these the characters we like? No, not especially. It's it's variations on them that doesn't feel quite right. I don't think it breaks any character, and I don't think it destroys any character, which is the ultimate sin that a comic book can give. I think that it really pushes a few characters in places where it asks a lot tougher questions. So... I just wanted to kind of throw that out there for you. Let's get into some final thoughts. Let's talk about the Gallery of Greatness. They have to put their this art on the wall at Johnny's place, which apparently he's cleaned up a little bit now. Good. Yeah. But, you know, let's put some art up there because we've got nowhere else to put it. But let's talk about the backup joke art. Jeff, do you have some good backup joke art for me? My joke backup one is on page 10, and I call it Background Faces. 
And this is the uh, middle left panel where Mickey is pulling her shirt off. Ignore the front, ignore the foreground. We're looking at the background here because this is the faces of uh, Johnny, who's got that mm, kind of appreciative look. Maddie, who's got it, it just sums up characters really well because it's just like Maddie's got this <laughs> look on her face and Julie's got the <laughs> and there's just so much storytelling going on in the background there that I love it. It cracked me up just seeing the background of all that. And we also have Mickey, who's also a little bit of you know storytelling here. She don't care none. She honey badger. She don't care none. <laughs> yeah, apparently her tank top would have been far too restrictive for the turbo armor, so she just needed to be in sports. Well, bra. we've seen her in the turbo armor. The tank top is too restrictive for turbo armor. There's a little bit of that. Well, that's old turbo armor. New turbo armor is uh, a little bit, a little bit more uh, dinner forgiving. All right, my. Backup joke one also talks a little bit about chests. And uh, this is about three pages, three or four pages forward on this. And this is after the end of the big old fight that's going on. Nami has come up and she has put this psychic blade or whatever into this. Yeah, into the, the jewel on Phil's chest. And the next scene is him saying, my chest, as she pulls the, the, the gem out. <laughs> and the look on his face is, <laughs> He actually says, what? No. But I could say, I, I could believe, my chest. Ah, yeah, you have she, ripped yeah. my heart out. Yes. <laughs> Turn my heart into pieces. That was my last resort, <laughs> he says. That's probably in a different voice. But <laughs> that's I, a fun one. That's I good just, one. I just, I thought it was pretty darn funny there. So I like that. What, that is good. What's your uh, top joke one, sir? My top joke one is on page six, and I call it a dip in the pool. Huh. I think we might have the same one. <laughs> Excellent. Is this the bottom right-hand corner where Julie and Nami have uh, done a splashdown? And Julie's getting out of the pool co- uh, covered in water saying, so not cool. And, ooh, hey, who's in the background there? Yeah. Who's in the background? Is yeah. that Nami just standing in the bottom of the pool? Just standing there? Like she's, you know, because she's heavier than she looks for some reason. So uh, she's not floating. I call this one, y- you're just going to let her drown there? <laughs> you- you're just going to let her drown? She's back there yep. drowning. Potential (laughs) drowning. Potentially. She's just standing there. She's standing in the bottom of the pool just like, "Mm, I am heavier than I look. (laughs) So for some reason, we don't know why. Oh, because she's a robot. Yeah, I I caught that one too. And and it's just... She's weakened and burning it at the bottom of the pool. That's what's going on there. <laughs> her entirety has mostly been Julie riding her around. So, yeah, yeah, yeah very weekend pretty much, yeah. All right. So, <laughs> my backup good art, a little bit further in the back here, and this is after they have taken the gem off of Phil and they have started talking with him. And of course they talk with their fist and Chris has picked him up and he's about to punch him. And Mickey says, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, let me deal with him. Woman to man. And there's a big crack. And I said, this is called, well, he didn't need that jaw anyways. Yeah, I get that. It's a nice punch. It is a strong punch. And I like seeing Mickey punching a dude. And I think that she needed to give him that punch because he was saying some things, he was doing some things, and it was it was directly affecting her. So I like that she's like, no, 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 no. This is me. I'm going to take care of this. I, I liked it for many, many reasons. It's good art, and I see where you're coming from, but I still have a big problem with this section of the book. So yeah. 
personal opinion, I can step away from it. It is your pick, and it is a good one, because that's a nice piece of art. Yeah. Almost as good as the art on page 11, which is The Gang's All Here. And this is when Turbo, Namie, Maddie, Julie, Ricochet, and Hollow have shown up to the Hawk on Hawk fight and uh, are doing their, their cluster pose, their good group cover pose, going, we've all showed up and we're in our dramatic hero positions. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's nice. It's hard to go wrong with the big old mostly page of uh, team posing. Yeah, I, I liked it. They, they all took time to put on their gear. I mean, there's nothing big going on. These two Darkhawks are destroying the neighborhood. We got time to put on our uniforms. It's all good. Yeah. So, no, I like that one. I did. That was on my list. I, I thought about getting it, but I decided to go another way. I went on page uh, four or five here, and this is right at the beginning where... Chris has touched the gem that's on mm-hmm. Phil's chest, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden we got a duo of Darkhawks. And I'm not going to let you say that because you apparently have problems saying that, but a duo of Darkhawks. I called a, it Double Darkhawk. Double Darkhawk. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it is Double double Darkhawk, and I do have trouble saying that. But what's great on that, too, Phil's Darkhawk armor, Goblin Hawk armor, is it's a little more goblin-y. It's a little more green-tinted. Yep. It's got big monster hands with claw fingers and stuff it's it's a little more "Mm, mommy is that guy a bad guy kind of vibe (laughs) and yes yes honey he is and and whereas chris's armor is a toned down version of his armor because he's got the essence of the crystal if not the full crystal itself so it's kind of like if you think back to robotech in the third series where they would get their motorcycle and it was kind of like their emergency oh, yeah. motorcycle and it was yeah, a, the cyclones yeah the cyclones the it was, Cross, it was a the little invasion. bit yeah it was a little bit of an armor but it was the big armor so yeah yeah, I, yeah it's kind of that type of thing it's the backup armor the Invent invasion was a good series that was a good run <laughs> we aren't talking about no robotech now we're talking about the loners buddy come Alrighty, on fine i, I can't want believe to though, you because... i cannot believe you you just are like, you're like a goblin calling a frog green. <laughs> How did you know my backup rubber and glue moment where we talk about the best insult or most childish one? And that one's definitely the most childish one. Yeah, yeah. That is Johnny saying that. And that is him just saying that is like a goblin calling the frog green. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it, there's. Amazingly <laughs> enough, there's not that many childish insults in here. But there's there, not. There are a couple. I, I, you would think with everything going on here that they would be throwing insults, but not really. I still like this one. I think it's good. It's a it's a silly little metaphor, but it's it's good. It fits in here. It fits in it's here. It's great. I also like the fact that Johnny, you know, after saying that, is kind of like to himself. He's like, if that makes any sense, does <laughs> it, that? It makes does, sense, Johnny. Did, did, I, did I zing him? There's a, yeah. There's about three rubber glue moments in here, yeah. and yeah, that was one of them. My top one is Maddie's, and I think this is a good childish one. And it's also, it's that punch that she leaves the entire team to deal with. I can't believe I slept with you, Johnny. Mm -hmm. And and not only is it a punch on Johnny, but it's also dropping that dirty sock right in the middle of the team. It's family friendly. We don't want to talk about that sock. It's gross. My favorite, favorite, favorite insult came on page 18, and it was also from Phil, because uh, Phil 
knows how to how to burn some bridges when he's leaving and he's like it's when he's about to go and he's like all right let's take off because he says as much as i'd love to stay and debate idioms with idiots i'm afraid it's time for me to make my exit yep idioms with idiots it's nice oh one. It's nice so one. nice it's a nice one so so nice yep. i love it well i'm glad that we found a couple of different ones here and uh mm-hmm. you know we we have our choices here that we we make away from each other so we don't know what each other is saying with that being said, let's talk about popular and shunned. We need to identify the character who is the best or worst in this issue. So, Jeff, who do you have as your worst in this issue? And why did you choose Maddie again? <laughs> you didn't even let me let me saddle into it. You didn't even buy me a drink first, Sailor. Most everybody could have been pretty bad. There's lots of not so greats on everybody, but Maddie sucks. <laughs> Maddie shows up with Johnny at Mickey's destroyed apartment and no compassion, no caring about like anything that's happening. She just comes in as just like, what more secrets? This isn't a therapy group. It's more like a secret society. Later on, she is a little bit justified later on when, when she's like, no, wait a minute. Let Phil talk. I want to know the secrets. And it's like, not about you, not your secrets. It doesn't matter. Not about you, Mickey. And it's just like, or not about you, Maddie. And it's just like, no, I think we should talk. You know, she left the, the bag of cat of dog poop in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of the trail when she left. It was just, she left the team. She was just, she was Maddie. See, and by this point in time, I'm used to accepting her. I think that Maddie is Maddie. Okay, whatever. That's what, whatever. I went with Hollow and I kind of went back and forth on this, but I ended up choosing her because she needs to pick a side. You know, I, I get her why she chose what she chose at which time, but Choose a side. If you're going to be on Phil's side, then be on Phil's side. Or if you are going to take the side of the rest of the team, then take their side. But come on, man. Let's let's choose a side here, Hollow. I just, I, I, I kind of don't like that. I, I like to know who I can count on. And if you keep, if she keeps on bouncing back and forth, I just can't trust her at all. You know, Phil, okay. Phil might not it. be able to trust her and, and the team can't trust her. She's on the side of her side, which, okay, but she can't talk. So we don't know which side she's on. Lies. She said three words in the series, two of them back to back in this issue alone. Whatever. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that the best is Mickey. And why do you agree with me? Um, well, she's not Maddie. Yeah. And in your regard, she's not hollow or she's not anybody else. Uh, let's see. She stepped up. She donned her armor. She went for one last ride. Mm -hmm. You know, she wasn't too old for this baloney. She's, she's, she stood up herself. She stopped Chris from killing Phil. She stood up at the end and talked for the the group. Yeah. 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 She kept the group together and she said, okay, yep. we have trust issues. We still need to talk and I will share my truths. Yeah. And that's who you had as well? No. 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 I had Hollow. Well, that's a bad choice. Yes. No, actually, I think it's a great choice. And here's why she had the flip-floppery. She was defending the person that was weak. She continually was defending the, you know, the person, the person that the people that needed it at the end. She knew that Phil had gone off the rails. She tried to stop him. Maddie, Maddie was down in her destroyed apartment. She is helping him, her up. She then is fighting Phil while it's necessary. When Phil is unarmed, she is then like, okay, now I know this is a person with demons. This is a, this is a mentally ill person who needs to not be beat, but needs some support now. We need to get past this. So that's why she then flip-flopped over to him because it was just like, this is now a party of power people going against 
a, a reporter, a newspaper editor kind of person. And no, I don't think you guys need to just work your systems out by beating on this man. I'm going to defend him now. And he needs to be away from here. Let's go. You I'm gonna, see, he, I think you're just saying all this because I think you want her to see you as the weak one so that she will protect you. Not even that at all. <laughs> I just think that she was flip-flopping, yes, but she was standing for those who needed defending. All right. All right. Um, so that's why I think she was the best. I think you were wrong, but I'm willing to move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about where we think this issue fills in our list of books. And this is against all the rest of the books that have some member of Power Packs in them, not the entire team of Power Pack. So top of this list, we have Uncanny X-Men number 205, Wounded Wolf. Not going to get changed this issue. Nope. We've got it's spot number seven, Loners number one, Fear of Flying, the first one of this series. And at the bottom, we've got Loners number three, What Lies Beneath. That's where Julie is in the hospital and everyone finds out nothing. I read that and I love I loved how you said that. Yep. <laughs> so, and everyone finds out nothing. So true and so true to the series. Yes. So I I think we may have be a bit different on this one. I I liked this. I saw what it was doing. I think that it it closed up as much as it possibly could with what it had. Yeah. And I want to give it credit for that. I know that in spot number eleven we've got the issue that came before this, I think that this is better than that. I don't think that it goes above what's in spot number 10, which is Runaways number two. That's where the Runaways hunt down Victor and he discovers he's got power. So there's a lot of good things in that one. But I think it's very comparable, though. So I, I think this would be a good number 11. But what do you think? I think that as you were speaking, I was looking directly at the number 11 spot going, yeah, there. And then you spoke words and I was like, okay, there's no fight here because exactly. Yes. (laughs) So that's fast. I do like it when you agree with me, like you always should, you know, hollow was not the best, but that's just my thought. (laughs) Well, uh, we can agree to disagree. Let's just, let's just, let's just retroactively both agree that uh, Johnny is awesome. Well, Uh, he's going to get my lifetime achievement award. And in this series, Maddie's going to get the lifetime boo. She gets the Razzie. And uh, Darkhawk is always a secondary runner-up for the Razzie Award. (laughs) I would like to see more of Johnny sometime, but i that's here nor there. Let's talk about beer, Mm -hmm. because I think we can agree on beer. We have been drinking Worthy Lights Out Stout from Bend, Oregon. Jeff, how are you liking your Worthy? It's Worthy. Uh, This is going to be super fast. It's good. I'm giving it a four. It is a nice stout. It has the pleasant vanilla notes, especially on the the inhale after the drink. It is pleasant that way. It's not knocking me out of the park. It's fine. It's, It's good. I enjoy it. I drink it again and in volume. It's not my de facto stout. Well, you know, I don't mean to sound like somebody who just is like a goblin calling a frog green, but I would agree with you on that. I think that this is a good, solid, okay beer. It's a four. Mm -hmm. I like stouts. It's a stout. It's good for what it is. It's not fantastic. It's solid. I could drink a lot of these and not feel bad at all. So I would give it my, um, I'd give it a four as well. So that once again, that is worthy Lights Out Stout from Bend, Oregon. If you were in Bend, Oregon or going around, I would check out 
that. And if you're going to check out that, you might as well also check out Kids Perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his daughter, Carrie, about the book that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, please take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. How are you doing today? Good, and you? I'm all right. I'm all right. We are here to talk about another loner's comic. This one is loner's number six, correct? Yes. And this is the final, final book of the loner series, right? Yeah. Are you excited about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are you done with uh, the loners? A bit. <laughs> okay, well, I've got bad news for you. We've got a couple more books where we're going to talk about the loners. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. The next one's going to be very short, and it's going to be uh, talking a bit about a little holiday thing with them. And then we just have a couple Darkhawk books, <laughs> oh. which will be mostly about Darkhawk and yeah. a little bit about the loners. Yay! <laughs> Darkhawk! Anyway, what did you think about this final book of the loners? What was the things that really stood out for you? Hollow can talk! <laughs> Well, yeah, she said two words, I guess. <laughs> she hasn't what else? Okay, I can't really understand Hollow. <laughs> what can't? What can you not understand about Hollow? Like, whose side is she on exactly? Her own That's side? A, that is a very good question. Whose side do you think she's on? For a moment, I thought she's on the loners, but now I think she's on like, is it Phil? I think it's Phil. Yeah, Phil's side. Yeah. All this time, I still can't rem like memorize their specific names. <laughs> Why do you think that she's on Phil's side right now? I don't know. I Once I was, like, done reading the battle, I kind of tried to figure it out through my mind. And my mind kind of thought that maybe she was trying to protect Phil from, like, hurting himself while he was in that, like, Green Goblin mode. And then just goes with him in the end. So she was helping the loners to protect Phil from himself? I don't know. It was, like... A crazy guess. <laughs> no, I think that's a very good guess. I think that's a real good logical way of looking at this. She was helping them to try to help and protect Phil. I think that's a very good guess. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about the fight itself? Was it cool? Was it annoying? Did you like it? Did you not like it? It was okay. All I saw was panels of people attacking and using their powers, which was neat. Like, finally using their powers, but I don't know. <laughs> it felt, like, a bit quieter than everything else because this was just, like, many panels of, like, many blows and that's it, <laughs> basically. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Felt, like, I don't know, neutral-ish. <laughs> just neutral-ish. Neutral-ish. <laughs> uh, what did you think about how everybody felt at the end? Was anybody happy at the end of the book? No, they're all just confused. Confused, angry, a little lost? Yeah. Are you interested to see how they all kind of resolve out of this, or are you just done with this group of people? Both in, like, half and half. Mm-hmm. I am kind of done with the group of people. Okay. Besides, you know, Julie and Ricochet, they're fine, but everybody else is so insecure. <laughs> I mean, Naomi's okay, too, I guess, but really, everybody's just so <laughs> insecure, and they're, like, all questioning it and everything, so I don't okay. know. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. What did you think about the art in this book? Did you still like the art, or is it okay? Yeah, it's okay. 
it's basically how I felt about the art before, which is average. <laughs> it's not your favorite. It's not your worst. Yeah. Okay. What did you think about the cover? And once again, I will show you what the poster is that the cover is based on. So it's based on a movie called 16 Candles. It's another John Hughes movie with Molly Ringwald. And she is liking this new guy and her friend, played by Anthony Michael Hall, it likes her. But that's another one of those little love triangle things. But it's a very iconic poster. And we see that represented here with Ricochet and Julie and Turbo, right? It's kind of related to it. It's just Julie doesn't like Turbo. <laughs> right, right. And they they haven't really said it in this book. They've kind of hinted that maybe Julie is not really into guys. Maybe they're kind of hinting at that. And we're going to see it sometime down the line where we'll find out that Julie is actually, actually she's bi. But they were hinting at that in this book and they never quite got to it. I know. And also, like, not only in this book, but in The Runaways, yep. when Julie and Carolina were talking, she's like, oh, hey, you're, like, kind of cute. And then like, they're actually kind of, like, being flirty-ish. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm not a teenager, so... <laughs> <laughs> Love triangles. <laughs> well, I agree. I agree. But it's a it's an iconic poster and i think that once again they did a really good job of representing that poster on the book right yeah yeah anything else you wanted to say about this book or anything else uh no <laughs> okay well thank you very much for your time once again carrie okay i love you love you too Ah, uh, yes, Carrie. Endings can be bittersweet. Shout out time. We would like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. And this is for episode 107, The Loners, number three, What Lies Beneath. On our social media, we have some likes from Charlie Rose, Christian Conkle, Clinton Robinson and his podcast, Fan Film Fridays and Coffee and Comics, Isaac Ike, Jeremy Daw, Limax 7, Tim Price, The Podcrasher and his podcast, the Outcasters. Waffles and his podcast, Waffles and Mario Talk About Things. And our Patreon supporters who make this show possible. Adorably, astonishing, and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging, cheesy, and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic, and entertaining Edward Verrocci. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Pollier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Lazowitz. Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady Stephen Gray. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant Todd Enoch. Way, way wordy and wobbly Waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky Wind. Next episode, we are proud to have an interview with Chris Eliopoulos, the writer and artist of Franklin Richards' Son of a Genius. Check that out. And then following that one, we will be back to talk about a comic book, specifically talking about the 2007 Marvel holiday special with the story Secret Santa. 
Also, be sure to check out the other show that I do, which is Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Network. I talk about movies. It's a lot of fun. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon with my little fan. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick Present. And if you'd like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, Always, I'm going to say please give us some ratings and stuff or reviews because we would really like those, so that would be really nice. But also, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time, costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Ignis DX. All music is by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. La-dee-da! Our intro music sounds a little like this. It's Jeff and Rick present. It's a show about some comic books. Come and join us for a look. You'll have fun, you will. Intro. Uh, Rick, you had a choice to do this on your own. You could have done it on your own. You misnamed your show with Jeff. You added a name in front of yours, and then you were trapped in a situation of your own devising. I made a mistake. All right, let me turn my microphone back on. Flash. Did you know that Chris, our uh, buddy Doc, I hate his name. I always stumble over it. Flash. He has turned into the villain of the story. I... <laughs> Why villain? I, I hear one of my podcast people say that, and I like it. It's fun. Uh, okay, okay. Flash. Mickey opens the meeting by thanking everyone. Uh, da, 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 da. 